Hey, it's Marty Stevens filling in for Low Tide today. With me is Brad Slater on the board filling in for Declan. As we said yesterday, a couple of East Coast leaguers filling in here for a couple we, pros. Yeah, we got called up. AHL. We got called oh, up. Oh, we got called up overnight. We got called up overnight. Excellent. Called up. Again, still the backups for the backups here. Happy to be here for Low Tide today. And Low Tide and the Low Down is uh, driven by Wolf GMC Buick. Hurry in for GMC's Joy to the Ride event. No payments for 90 days on every new in-stock 2023 GMC and Buick. Ask for details. Plus, you could get $4,000 in cash. And when you're over there, make sure to say... Hi to Doug and Mary. Hey, Doug and Mary. Thanks for listening. And yesterday, Low Tide was listening, which scared me half to death because I'm sure he has better things to do. I think he probably learned his lesson not listening today. But a lot of things to talk about in the sporting world. Uh, Team Canada is going right now. They're playing. Is that correct, Brad? I think they are. I think they were 11 Canada puck dropped. I believe the Americans just got by Czechia. They won in a seven-round shootout. So the puck drop is just underway in Canada. There's six minutes left in the first period. The game is scoreless. We will keep you up to date on that. Uh, Sweden to date, I would say, is the toughest challenge Canada will face and has faced uh, in the World Juniors here. So it's uh, it's going to be a great game. It's going to be tight. Uh, Sweden had that game yesterday. They won. So uh, maybe a little tired. But let's see what Canada can do. Yeah, it'll be fun. And, of course, the Oilers last night. Feel good Friday. We're having some fun here. We're going to play wrestling themes as our music coming back from breaks all the time. So you can... Play along with that. That, of course, was CM Punk that we just played there, and we'll keep we'll keep going as we on. But let's talk about that Oiler game last night. Ryan McLeod, we talked about him last night. He scored the he, the he scored the Oilers' sixth opening minute goal of the season, and that is the most any season since ninety ninety one when the Oilers scored seven. So that is, that's pretty amazing. We already have six this year. Season's not half over. Ryan McLeod as well, the third Oiler in history to score three opening minute goals in a season. Yeah, I know. It's just the last week alone. It's just something that the Oilers have done. I know Leon got one in the first minute, but then it was nice to see them capitalize and, and maintain that pressure. But you mentioned McLeod and Fogle and Dreisaitl. You know, they get the puck in deep. They forecheck. Uh, Dreisaitl gets to paddle down. He gets his big you-know-what in the way. And it's tough to get those guys out of the way. And when you got Bouchard with the shot at the point, and Eckholm, if he's out there, you know, you're going to capitalize. And it was great to see it happen last night. Yeah, that's a lot of big bodies on that line, too. McLeod's not not that small. He's probably the smallest one on the line, and he's not that small. So that's good to see him out there. And uh, we mentioned before, uh, McLeod, uh, I wanted his parents to keep following him around. Now, right after he scored that goal, he sh- they showed a couple in the stands. I don't know if those are his parents. They're in Hollywood land out there, so maybe they hired a couple actors to be his parents. Whatever they're doing, they need to keep doing it because McLeod is on fire right now. So that's awesome. The only other two Oilers to score... Um, opening minute goals, three opening minute goals in the season, Eberly and Messier. So he is in uh, high class there doing that. The Oilers as well, they flashed the graphic up on the screen last night. The only team with five players over 30 points. Connor McDavid's got 45. Dreisaitl's got 36. Bouchard, 34. Unbelievable. Hyman, 33. Great season. And Nuge, 32. So that is a, the, the big five, and they're all producing right now for the Oilers, and that's why they're doing so well. As a matter of fact, the Oilers right now, since November 13th when Knobloch took over, they have the best NHL goal differential in the NHL, and that is at a plus 25. So that is, uh, that's where they're at right now, and that's those big five. They came alive in there. So we, we think Drysaddle's not having a great season, but he already has 36 points. So he's doing well last night. And what about those hits? One good thing I wrote down in my Feel Good Friday notes was luckily no Oilers got hit because there were some big hits last night. McDavid got hit pretty good, got cranked there behind the net. Um, CC, that was a bit of a dangerous shot there. Nuge got hit, and I've never seen Dreisaitl get hit that hard. They they pointed it out as well. I heard after the game, um, McDavid had three hits last night, and I I texted you 
I think after the game started in the first period there that you and I were on to something yesterday with Ryan McLeod and, and the fact that they mentioned on the broadcast that maybe the team had a little extra pep in their step as, you know, what happened to their, their coach, Jay Woodcroft, after the last loss there and the disappointing start to the season. Just that opening faceoff when they dropped the puck and McDavid was just a little too quick and they didn't throw him out and he skated back to the blue line. I just, I had that feeling that he was so fired up on tonight. I sent the tweet out immediately and within 10 seconds later, McLeod scored. It was just, there's nights when McDavid just, you can just tell. <laughs> like the Rangers when he had that goal, yeah. his return with uh, against Columbus after the injury to his collarbone. There's just nights where you can just tell in his eyes and his body language, look out. Yeah, he's on fire. Philly, when he came back after the guy hurt yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was, you know, who, who we traded for, of course. That was awkward. But yeah, he. there are those nights when McDavid is just on fire. And last night, I think he only ended up with one point, but a great game, some super passes, and really set everybody up. The Oilers, I thought in the second period, got into a bit of a track meet. They kind of yep. got away from their game a little bit. Yep. But, back into uh, those old habits that got them into trouble before <laughs> yeah. the Christmas break. But they were able to maintain the lead and, and hold it down. And a big part of that, I think, was Stuart Skinner. Yeah. Stuart Skinner, he... Uh, he showed something last night. You know, before the game, you always watch body language. I just said it about McDavid. If you watch Skinner put on his mask last night, he gave one of the most enthusiastic, fired up, let's, you know what, go <laughs> um, right before puck drop. And he just maybe he's on too. Maybe these guys just needed to hit the reset button, right? Yeah, they didn't have any of those turkey legs after Christmas. No. They're they ready to go. Do you want to play that clip from Skinner talking about his... Uh yeah, the, the, the clip last night where he was talking about uh, recording his first, fourth uh, NHL shutout. Stu, your fourth career NHL shutout. Does that ever get old hearing that? Uh, hopefully it will one day. So when when you when I hear five, hopefully. So um, yeah, it was it was a good game. Uh, felt good in there. I think San Jose had a, you know I thought they were really good in the offensive zone. I think we also did a great job, um, you know, being able to get some blocks in and uh, PK was huge again. Uh, as a netminder, we always talk about how a big save can kind of feel everybody else's confidence, but when you see your team start the way it did this hockey game, how much confidence does that breed in you? Yeah, it was huge. It uh, gave me a lot of confidence. It's also it's always nice kind of getting that early lead. Um, yeah, I think we were rolling around for a good five minutes straight in their end, um, and that's a huge credit to the guys being being ready off the bat. It, it can be hard, especially coming off uh, Christmas break. What can you say about that second line right now with Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogle, and Leon yeah, they're feeling it right now. They're uh, they're buzzing. They're moving around, making some good plays, uh, getting shots off, uh, getting to the net hard. Um, so it's it's all well earned goals. All right, to use a baseball metaphor, what are you going through with this shutout during the intermissions? What are you thinking about, and uh, is it on your mind about you have a shutout? Uh, it's probably on your mind the last five minutes of the game, uh, and even then you try to get it out of your head as quickly as possible. Um, but, yeah, you're, you're always kind of thinking about how the game's going and kind of where things are at. Um, but, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's my job to, to stop the puck, and that's my main focus. Approaching this hockey game, how much does your last visit here in San Jose kind of weigh on your mind as you prepared for this one? Yeah, I mean, you knew they were going to come out hard. They also had a game uh, yesterday, so they obviously they, they were able to get a couple things uh, out of the way um, or early on, right after the Christmas break. So you knew uh, you knew these guys know how to score goals. Uh, I mean, you, you see it. I mean, you can see that they lose games every once in a while, but for the most most part, they're always getting their goals. So. Um, really good team uh you know it's the nhl every team's good every team knows how to score uh every player knows how to make plays so it's uh it's always important to be ready from losing that game in early november 
to where your team is at now, winning three straight hockey games. Yeah. How do you describe the growth, Stuart? Yeah, it's been big. I think it's a lot of resiliency from our group. Uh, I think you can see that there's highs and lows in a season, and I think we're doing a really good job at you know trying to stay even keel and just work our way up. We know the position that we're in in the standings, so um, and we also know our goal, just like every other team uh, in the league. So it's going to be important for us to just to keep going here. Yeah, they talked right there about the season, how it's changed so much from last time they played in San Jose. The Oilers, as I mentioned earlier, they lead the league right now on goal differential by a plus 25 since the new coach took over. And that's since, you know, that game in San Jose where they lost. So big turnaround in the season. season the, the, the guys are going well right now. One of the things I really like this season, the starts. Last year, and I think even the year before that, we started horrible. The Oilers were horrible starters. I say we, I'm a fan. But yeah, horrible starters. And then this year, complete opposite. Sometimes we don't finish as good, but we've been starting really good. And and like we said, we already have six um, goals to start off the first minute of the game, which is unbelievable. The Oilers' record is seven. So very close with uh, lots of time to go. And it's kind of moved around a little bit too. Drysdale has one. McLeod is on fire with those first goals. And I think, Brad, you were saying that's four four shots and four goals for McLeod? Yeah, his last four shots on net before that goal uh, were all goals going back. So you mentioned his parents. You mentioned the the thing about confidence and how crazy it is with sports is you have it and you don't. You took a guy like Russell Wilson in a different sport, right? Beginning of the season and last year, completely no confidence. Took the offseason, came back, and I know he didn't fare well so far this season, but his play was so much better just because he got the confidence. You look at Ryan McLeod and how he started this season. Everyone was expecting him to score. Everyone was expecting him to build off of last season and what he showed in the playoffs. And then for him to come out now and get those four goals and just, he just looks like a different player. And you know what? He's smiling. And, you know, we're talking wrestling and themes and the whole Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels thing where he lost his smile. Maybe Ryan McLeod just had lost his smile momentarily and uh, he's got it back. Yeah, yeah, he's going well. So the, that line, I think, playing with Drysaddle too, you've got to get going. Or Drysaddle, I don't think is, uh, you know, he's not quiet. He's not a wallflower. He's going to let you know if he needs more out of you. So that may have put a bit of a spark under McLeod too. May give him a little scare. Don't want Drysaddle mad at you. I still want more out of Leon though. I'm, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on him too much. But he played good last night. He's played good recently, but. I still think he has another two or three gears that we haven't seen this year that we've seen in the past. And us as Oiler fans, we're drooling at the thought of him going full speed, <laughs> McDavid going full speed, Kane, uh, Hyman, yeah. Hyman again. Well, Hyman's going. But awesome. It's funny. Uh, Oiler fans should be happy December's almost over. I know. I think we talked about it yesterday, but Gregor had that stat about December is dry settles worst month. I yep. think of all the years he's been here, he's only had one half decent month. So December's almost over. Yep. So that means Drysaddle will be taking a corner. Uh, you know, we're, we're rookies here. Last night, they had the rookie goalie. Magnus Corona was out there. It didn't last very long. No. No, he didn't. I woke up this morning, and I'm a huge social media guy, so I went on TikTok, and the first video that opened was a, a lovely woman talking, and she was talking about my husband just got called up and is playing oh, no. in his first game. Her exact words. I don't know who he's playing, and I really don't care. Oh, there you go. I'm wondering after 10 minutes into that game if she knew who they were playing, <laughs> and I wondered if she cared then. Because I didn't leave a comment. I wanted to, but yeah. it, was, it was a great moment. Uh, yeah, Very happy good for, for her. It's still a great moment, oh, no totally. matter what happens. Yeah. But for her to say, I really don't know who they're playing, <laughs> and I really don't care, and it doesn't matter. That's I was like, funny. Mm, yeah. yeah, matters just a smidge. It was yeah. funny because they were talking about that this morning. Speck had the good line that, oh, Corona's going to need some Corona after the game. It got me to thinking. Now, if you could go back in time, different teams, 
different time frames, but combine two goalies together, the best oiler or best, not oiler, but a best goalie combo would be Kerry Taco and Magnus Corona because you'd have tacos and Corona. I have a Kerry hey? Taco 1990 upper deck uh, card. But yeah. on, on that note, if I had to combine two Oilers, just hypothetically speaking, yeah, yeah. I would take Curtis Joseph yeah. and I would mix him with Bill Ranford. And I don't think the Oilers would ever <laughs> lose a game. And the flow, yeah. they would have the hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. Put a little Dwayne Rollison in there. Mike Smith, oh. get a little angry oh. once in a while. Oh, yeah, the yeah, way you go. Billy got mad back in the day. Yeah, he did. He did. He did for sure. The windmill save. Oh. Always with the windmill two save. Stack. Two yeah, bad two stack. Bad stack. The puck would be rolling into him and he would do a two bad stack on, you know, just a clearing attempt. Yeah. It was awesome. Oh, that is funny. Now, we're in a lot of fun today. Free, free, free plug Friday. Oilers won last night. We're going into another long weekend here. We had uh, lots happening with New Year's, Team Canada's playing. But sometimes before you get some good times, you got to go through a bit of, a bit of rough times. And Brad, I wanted you to just take a couple minutes, if you wouldn't mind. Talk about your podcast in support of mental health and what you have going on. Yeah. Uh, about five years ago, coming up on January 1st, I, I was working on the railway and I was leaving Edmonton to uh, go to Wainwright. And uh, a fuel truck decided to park on the tracks in front of my train. And we made direct contact with it uh, kind of by the Flying J out by Sherwood Park. Um, so it kind of put me in a weird headspace because guys don't really like to talk about mental health. It's kind of not frowned upon, but you kind of look like, oh, you're not much of a man if you talk about your mental health. Well, I think it's the complete opposite. And I think you make it stronger if you do talk about it. So after my accidents, sports cards were like, my, my calming down thing that helped with anxiety and everything. So I went about starting uh, a podcast all about sports cards and sports, all in support of uh, mental health. And I've had like Michael Landsberg on, uh, who's had his battles with mental health, uh, Kelly Rudy. So it's just, uh, it's just a really good open platform out there. It's called Mint Condition. If anyone wants to check it out, you can send me an email and uh, it's always open and I'm always here to talk. And uh, trust me, I know how you're feeling and it will get better. How do you find the podcast? Oh, it's a lot of fun. It gives you, uh, like what we've done these last two days, right? It just gives you a, an open platform to talk and chat and just express yourself. And just, I like the, I like the card community because it's so close and it's so loved. And it's just, you know, a bunch of guys and girls just collecting cards and just sharing, trading, selling, having fun, opening them. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just a lot of fun. There's national hockey card day. Like it's become a big thing. And How can I, people find your podcast online? Uh, you can find it online at uh, Mint Condition, uh, at Mint Condition Podcast on Twitter, or at I Want to Donaire, or uh, <laughs> my lovely website is uh, MyCardsAreMint.com. There you but, go. Yeah. Nice. There you go. But yeah, so just remember that uh, if you're ever going through something, you're not alone. Always reach out, and uh, someone's always there for you. Don't worry about it. Well, Perk, thanks for sharing that story. Really appreciate, appreciate it. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back with the NHL play-by-play voice for ESPN. So hang on. We'll be right back. All right, perfect song for our next guest, NHL play-by-play voice of ESPN. John Bucigras joins us. John, how are you? Doing well, boys. Thank you. No problem. That We're playing wrestling theme song Friday, so that was Hulk Hogan from the WCW days. So I love it. Did you hit it on the head there? Are, are you a, were you a Hogan guy, and did we hit it on the nail there, Bucci? Like, are you, are you a Hulkster, or are you a Ric Flair guy? I was a, a Roddy Roddy Piper guy. There you go. Okay, Good okay. Canadian boy. Winnipeg. Yeah, ex- exactly. He, to me, he's the goat of all wrestlers and smack talk and, and the whole deal. That's my guy. Did you catch his uh, biography they did this year in A&E, I think it was? 
No, I didn't. I got to. I. I don't think I have. I should try, try yeah. to find that. Yeah, it's great. The, his story is his story is unbelievable. And yeah, I think one of the things was he never wanted to lose on TV. Like he'd something would happen and he'd lose or look like he lost, but he never actually lost the match. Like he'd get beat up after or something. <laughs> so yeah, great story. But speaking of matches, I know your 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 next game is until January second. You're calling the Capitals and the Pens. That's a, a big rivalry out there. What about McDavid? Have you called any McDavid games yet this year? Yep, we got a, we've had a couple of McDavid games, one in Edmonton, one on Long Island. Um, of course, a couple of playoff games last year against Vegas. So, yeah, right. I've, had a, I've had a couple. It's been nice. Do you, do you think Americans are seeing McDavid enough? Well, if you get, if you get ESPN Plus, you can watch him every single night. <laughs> um, so so there are ways to see him. But otherwise, if you're relying on TNT, or uh, or ESPN, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna see him a whole lot. So yeah, it really is f- uh, for the hardcore fan. But yeah, the casual fan is probably not quite seeing him enough. Hopefully in the spring, I'm not sure if ABC or ESPN is gonna get him on there down the stretch. I hope so. Um, but there is. A, I was supposed to do an ESPN Plus game again March the fifth in Boston, but they just took that off my schedule. So maybe because you could only show so many teams nationally, maybe right. they're moving McDavid and the Bruins. To, to uh, the big network. Oh, okay. Now, I know I, I saw you do an interview. I watched it online, and you're just talking about growing the game. You're a big fan of growing the game, and you talked a bit about these international tournaments. Like, we got to get going on this. We're, we're, we're missing guys. We're not going to see Sidney Crosby and McDavid be able to play together. Yeah, exactly. And uh, now the World Junior is great, but again, that's only on NHL Network, and that's only in so many homes. And and the American casual sports fan isn't really aware of it. I think it's definitely bigger than the, you know the World Junior is definitely bigger than it was ten years ago, fifteen years ago in this country. Yeah, um, it's definitely picked up some steam for sure. But it would be nice to see maybe ESPN get that tournament and find a home on it, linear and ESPN Plus, and really promote it and really kind of get behind that because. Uh, yeah, that kind of stuff is what really gets a lot of fans watching. Gets there. Not only that, it kind of heightens. It makes it important, and that, those are the things you remember, and those are the things that leave an impact. Are memorable games. Yeah, that's why playoff hockey. That's how you grow fan bases in the local market, and that's how you grow the game. And like I said, in a region, is by having a successful team because then those games matter. Everything's heightened and becomes more visceral. And those are the things we remember. Are those kinds of you know dopamine drips we get watching big games and that's what international best on best can do so yeah hopefully this next generation will be lucky enough unlike mcdavid and those guys who really haven't really played a lot of them to you know jack hughes and those guys will get these for the next 15 years yeah i thought even uh, you know the world cup they had that the one year when mcdavid was on the rookie team and uh, they almost took it yeah. all away but just even doing something like that just grow the game a little bit more get the stars out yeah, there yeah i mean i, I yeah, that North American versus Sweden overtime. Yeah. I saw that game for ESPN. Yeah, I was at and that I, game. It was crazy. Yeah, it was me, Panger, and Weeksy. And, <laughs> you know, like I said, those are the things that you remember. And McKinnon scored that amazing goal after back-to-back breakaways and Sedin. And and, uh, and then, yeah, Goudreau was out there and all those young players. And that was such a the, the best moment of the tournament. Yeah, just that flying a thousand miles. They're just flying a thousand miles an hour, those guys. Yeah. 
That was before we ruined overtime with coaching and tactics. So uh, that, that was a lot of fun. You're listening to The Lowdown with Stevens and Slater. We're speaking with John Bucci-Gross from ESPN. John, how important and big do you think it is for, I love seeing you on his show, but appearances and hockey talk on, on shows like the Pat McAfee show, um, things you did this season with ESPN, like the Frozen Frenzy, where you did the red zone aspect that night, where you were in charge of showing all the NHL games that night. How, how exciting was that? And how big are opportunities like that for the NHL especially in the United States. Yeah, it was great. Frozen Frenzy was phenomenal. I think we might do it one more time later in April. Um, yeah, McAfee's been great for the sport. Um, hockey doesn't get a lot of daytime conversation on those opinion shows. Um, really nothing does except NFL and NBA. Even baseball is suffering from that now. They don't get the conversation radio talk that they used to. Um, when it was the uh, pastime, and they've really got a lot of coverage in newspapers and radio. So it's kind of in the same boat as hockey now. So when someone like Pat really celebrates it and shakes the pom-poms, um, it really helps because he gets massive ratings. He's a lot of young people um, listen to his show. And so it's good just to make it a habit, make it part of that atmosphere, part of the, of the landscape of sports is hockey. And then people are more apt to tune in when a big game is on and just watch it because it's a big game. I'm not as much of an NFL fan as I used to be. Um, never been a huge college football fan. I, I love the sport now. But when there's a big game on, I'll watch it just because it's a big game and it has meaning. So if we can build meaning for these games, going back to what we talked about best on best, you need to build meaning in games because there's so much inventory out there, entertainment-wise, Netflix, uh, sports, uh, women's sports, um, different, you know, soccer now, what it did with the Premier League and how people in America picked a favorite team. That didn't happen when I was a kid. So that's just competition. There's more and more of it. So you really got to kind of stand out and try to, you know, try to wedge your way in. And so it's good for, uh, for hockey to get those conversations and get those kind of big events that can make it seem more important because people need things to feel important to watch because they have so many choices. Yeah, there, there's a lot out there and you, you got to stand out. Maybe what the NHL needs is a giant Pop-Tart to pop out at the beginning of the game. <laughs> then you can rip it apart at the end. Did you see that yesterday? Absolutely. That was amazing content. That's, uh, just imagine the value Pop-Tarts got out of that ball game and, yeah. that, and that mascot and all that, those bits. I guarantee their sales today. <laughs> people are going to go out and buy, not everyone, but some people are going to go out and buy Pop-Tarts today. They're just going to do it. Yeah. And they're going to create content with it. And so, yeah, so those are the things you try to do as a sport. But, again, a lot of times it really is. People always say, well, you know, why, why does the NHL grow the game with their players and commercials? The, the, the league doesn't really control that. It's, the, it's you know, the reason why Tom Brady and Peyton Manning had all those commercials was them and the, and the, and the product, and, mm-hmm. and then they got commercials. You know, so that, that's, you know, that, that's what you're trying to get. But, yeah, that, that, was a, that stuck, and that's what you try to create. And that's what Frozen Frenzy definitely did. It created a stickiness down here that made people feel good about it, especially hockey fans. And so, yeah, those are the things that that's why you need an energized front office in the NHL, the NHL offices. They need constantly to bring in new people, to have new ideas and um, to try to really, you know, like, like I said, get some traction in this overcrowded entertainment landscape. Yeah, for sure. How many games do you call a year? I know you say your schedule changes, but on average, what do you call? It's a good point. I really should go back and count. I really don't know. Um, I, I probably once the playoffs are all done and, and hopefully I get a, a, a few there, then yeah, maybe it's about 30 to 40. Not a lot. I wish I could do more. I'd like to do more. Um, it, it's what I love to do. But um, just trying to get better and keep improving, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Do you uh, get to see any games just as a fan? I have, I have a strange play-by-play question I've been wanting to ask a play-by-play man. 
So yeah, yeah, you know, not as much. Occasionally, I'll get to a game on my own, but this time of year, I'm traveling and doing games so much. Um, not, but I am an hour from Boston, so certainly if something came up, I could certainly pop up there and watch a game. Nice. I was just wondering, as a play-by-play guy, when you're watching a game and you're not doing the game, you're just watching the game. Are you doing play-by-play in your head the whole time, or can you turn that off and just watch a sport? Oh yeah, I can just watch because I like. I'm an observational learner. I'm, I'm kind of analytical, so I like to watch carefully. But occasionally, if I'm preparing for a game, right. Um, that I will maybe do that a little bit, although I know the league so well now, every player, every uniform, which way the guy shoots, all that stuff, I'm pretty good. But like I do college down here. I've done the last 10 national championship games. And so when I'm studying for those, because that can be cramming, um, then I will kind of do a little bit of that in my head just to go, okay, there's there's uh, Joe Malone over to Carpa, <laughs> back to Malone, back to, to, to Langenbrunner. Uh, Jamie Langenbrunner's son plays for Harvard Mason. Oh, nice. So, yeah, I'll do a little bit of that just to try to make those numbers automatic. Stick, so yeah. Get a good tic-tac-toe. Because that's what you want. You want to nail the goal calls. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, because I know, like, being in radio so long, lots of times we're driving somewhere, I turn the music down, and then when the announcer comes on, I turn it up. Like, I can't get that out of my system. So I was just wondering, <laughs> as a play-by-play guy, are you constantly doing play-by-play, or can you just not yeah. do that and watch At the least game? I'm not. Maybe some are, but, yeah, I, I, I like to watch the game. Nice. You could just be a fan, which is good. That's right. Absolutely. John, uh, who are some of the guys and gals out there that you watch doing play-by-play that you, when you're working on your craft and you're watching, or even when you were getting into broadcasting, is there anyone out there that, you know, that you worked with, you didn't get a chance to work with uh, that you would have liked to, or that, you know, you enjoy working with? Yeah, well, you know, I'm so lucky where, I, you know, where I am now working with someone like Ray Ferraro, who's, who does such an amazing job, maybe the best at it. Uh, Ryan Callahan, who's trying to get there and I think could reach Ray's stature someday as a guy just is in his third year of calling games and a guy just recently retired, which is always a good asset. Um, so, you know, certainly doing 10 frozen fours with Barry Melrose and just the presence and personality he provides, trying to make the game big. That's what we're trying to do. Make it big, make it sound important. And I grew up with those radio guys and that's what they did. You know, they radio, you know, as a medium, uh, being invented in the early 20th century, everything was theatrical. They had songs and music and plays and mystery theater. And then once play by play became a thing, a thing, you know, those guys just kind of took that to sports and make it sound mm-hmm. big and make it or certainly be a homer on your team. And I grew up with Bob Wilson calling Bruins games and Mike Lang calling Penguins games. <laughs> um, this is big, big personalities, big voices. Um, you know, Lang obviously used catchphrases before anybody really used catchphrases. You know, great balls of fire, hallelujah, Hollywood, uh, scratch my back with a hacksaw, all these different <laughs> ones. And they kept growing and growing. So just a lot of personality, you know, and then someone like Mike Emmerich, who's really analytical, and brought a different kind of thing to it. So you kind of, I try to combine the big personality um, with uh, making the sound important. I try not to use too many adjectives because I don't want to have picks where you hear the same thing over and over again from yeah, a guy tough. who might yeah. uh, refer to some. I, I want to try to stay away from ticks and just let fewer verbs, just identify guys, build the drama. Hey, something could happen here. I know it almost happened. <laughs> so kind of come, that, that's the great thing about hockey and soccer being low scoring, close sports. Every shot has tension, as opposed to basketball. You know, just oh, another jump shot, another jump shot, uh, yeah. another jump shot until you, get, until you get to the end of the game. So that's what building drama, keep it simple, fewer words, uh, you know, really point out really nice plays by a defense on a breakout. I just like a nice, clean breakout. I try to not talk over those with another conversation, but really extol 
those little virtues of the game that, that are really good plays that a, a defenseman can make in his own corner to get the puck out. That's a real good, effective play, and it shouldn't you shouldn't be talking about something out something else when that happens. Yeah, it's tough to do, but uh, yeah, you do a great job with that, and it is, it is a balancing act, right? It's Marty Stevens here filling in for yeah. Low Tide. We've got John Bucigras joining us right now, NHL play-by-play voice for ESPN. You mentioned a couple names there with your list of people that you've worked with. Ray Ferraro, of course, broke in with the Oilers when he was doing color. Oilers, yeah. I believe, were his first team, so we had him here for a couple years. Yeah. Absolutely great. Tells it like it is. That's a lot of fun. Yep. He does, and Barry Melrose is a good friend of yours. I wonder if you could talk a bit what you're doing with Barry, how he's his battle with Parkinson's right now and how you're helping out. Yeah, just, you know, Barry he told me a couple of years ago that he was diagnosed. I'll, I'll never forget the phone call. And um, he kind of kept it under wraps for a couple of years, but, you know, as it slowly progressed a little bit, and slowly, thankfully, um, he, you know, he realized he had to step away from TV, which he did uh, after last year. He did the Frozen Four in Tampa, and uh, Quinnipiac won in overtime, so it was a great way for him to go out. And so, yeah, just devastating for someone like Barry, mm-hmm. who has always has such a razor wit, a sharp mind, uh, really good at TV. To have, of all things to get, is this disease, which slowly takes away that amazing wit, that amazing mind. Um, so I just want to do something. So we put together a T-shirt with a really cool logo of Barry, just kind of an outline of a guy with a mullet and a cigar, and it's just amazing using no facial features at all. You look at that and go, that's Barry Melrose. And, and that's really the definition of an icon. When you can just take a guy's yeah. hair and his, his facial hair and, nothing, and his tie and a cigar and just put that on a T-shirt <laughs> and people know exactly who it is, that's an icon. So, yeah, you've made it. We're selling these, yeah, we're selling these things at assistmelrose.com. I've been doing you know, the bucciot.com. Uh, stuff with the Bucci OT Challenge in college hockey. And I have my own website, but I figured this would be pretty popular, so I don't want to have thousands of T-shirts delivered to my house and, <laughs> and have them in my house and then have to mail them out, which is what I do with the Bucci stuff and the college hockey stuff. But that stuff is organized, it's put away, it just kind of trickles out. I know this would be a big avalanche of stuff, so I got a third party to help me. That's where that, Hence this, this website we started to, to get the to people go there and buy the T-shirt, and they'll be delivered here in a couple of weeks, so... Yeah, just glad I can help and hopefully write a nice big check at the end of the year to the you know, Michael J. Fox Foundation. Actually, a friend of mine, I played golf with Michael J. Fox in a golf tournament, a charity event. And when Barry called and told me about his diagnosis, I called the man who invited me to that, that golf day. And uh, Ray Cole, his name is, and I called Ray right away. I go, Ray, because he had contact with Michael a couple of times. And I said, can you get a hold of Michael's people and see if he can call Barry? And uh, just he can kind of, if Barry has any questions about Parkinson's, right. he can talk to his fellow Canadian. So he did that right away, and Barry talked to Michael J. Fox two days later. And, oh, good. Um, and nice. so, I, and that, that's a great foundation. They say they're on the cusp of some really good progress, let's hope. So maybe you never know that someone, all these t shirt sales could add up to maybe 20, 30, 40 grand, and then maybe. That's all it takes for one that, that last step to maybe really make some progress. Yeah, Michael J. Fox, an Edmontonian, born right here in Edmonton, so it's all tying together. Absolutely. There you go. Absolutely. Uh, again, that website was assistmelrose.com. We have it on our socials today, too, so if anyone wants Thank to go you. out there, they can, they can find it Thank there. Yeah, no problem. Our pleasure to help you out. Thanks for joining us. We want to talk about top sports stories. We're coming to the end of the year here. Do you have some top uh, hockey stories that pop out for you for 2023? Yeah, well, certainly, you know, what, what Vegas was able to do in just their sixth NHL season, you know, to win the Stanley Cup, um, certainly get the finals in year one and then getting close again and then maybe 
you know, getting lucky by getting Jack, having Jack Eichel be available out there is almost like a free agent. Any team could have got him with the trade. I'm still shocked that so many teams didn't overpay to get him. I mean, there's not many times a franchise 24-year-old center is available. It just doesn't happen in this era of a hard salary cap, equal revenue, so people can lock up their best players for eight years uh, and in their second contract. It just doesn't happen that a 24-year-old is basically a free agent. Yeah, it's quiet, a quiet there. free agent, too. It was kind of, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the hype around it yeah. we thought there would be. Oh, yeah, a trade for him. But, you know, I mean, in the end, it just cost Vegas. Alex Tuck, a good player, but, you know, certainly not a superstar. Peyton Krebs, just, you know, he'll be a third or fourth line guy, a number one pick. I mean, there's teams that should have unloaded, you know, three number ones, four numbers. Like, <laughs> like, this is, like people just, they did. But, again, I, I was always a believer. I know he didn't have a lot of believers, but I knew he was the guy. So for them to do that, to first have that initial success, bamboozle fellow GMs put themselves in a position to be a win-now franchise, um, and then to have, and then to get Jack Eichel when anybody could, and then to be, he, you know, he was, he was their final piece. Um, to me, that was, the, that was the top hockey sports story. And for, and for me, of course, going to college hockey is Quinnipiac, their first national championship, uh, to go to the Frozen Four like they did and beat these big, powerful schools um, with bigger budgets and to win their first national championship and do it in overtime. My first overtime, you know, national championship goal call. I was, I mean, that, that's just so great. You know, the only bad part about it, it happened seven seconds in <laughs> to build all the drama. But luckily I was ready. I had a little story going into the face off and I was on, I was on my toes and was able to see the, the goal the whole way, which was nice. And, um, but yeah, so th- those are my two big moments for me. Yeah. What's worse, three periods of overtime or uh, seven seconds in, in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe about four minutes in with about seven minutes in, probably the ideal prime time amount of time to build the drama before it gets like, oh, can we just get this over with feeling? So, yeah, it's probably that it's probably that six to nine minutes in the first <laughs> overtime is the best, the best overtime goal for viewing experience and, the, and calling the game. Yeah, exactly right. Now, I know you've said you've been in Edmonton. Brad wants me to ask you about chicken parm. Where did you and Ray go for chicken parm in Edmonton when you are here? Do you remember? Wait, was it parm that night you guys went out, or where did you go? And I, I need to know <laughs> just your top spot in Canada and in the States, uh, possibly Seattle, because I go there a lot, and I know that the, <laughs> the Kraken, I saw they, they did that special one for you with the game two years ago, and they brought it up to you yeah. during the broadcast, right? That was very nice. Yeah, we were in Edmonton. Um, you know, I said last month we called a we called a game at Edmonton near Ray uh, in early December. And actually, you know, we stay at the JW Marriott, and they have a very good parm there. <laughs> and um, so we we get that for lunch after going to the morning skate and talking to the coaches and players. Come back, plan the par, which is a great pre nap food because it just weighs down there in your stomach. Yeah, so it's nice. Nice before nap. <laughs> and then we went to the local place. I'm sure you know I, the, the name is escaping me. Um, nice little, it's a little re- Italian restaurant on the corner of a street. And, um, one of our listeners that, will know. know uh, yeah. I can't remember the name. I, I feel terrible. I, I usually I take a picture of menus and things to help me remember, but I had the veal parm there. Oh. It was, uh, it was sensational and had a great time with Ferraro and, uh, had a good, nice little espresso martini as well. <laughs> you didn't wear a white oh, shirt yeah, like, like, like Ray did, did you? He made the fatal mistake, uh, he, you know? Yeah, no, no. That, that, yeah, we were uh, we were off the clock, so we could dress down for that. So, uh, but yeah. So, and, and of course, the north end of Boston is a great place to get uh, Parm. Ray Bork has a restaurant called Tresca. When you get to Boston on the north end, make sure you go there. And yeah, I'm actually headed to Seattle myself for a game President's Day. It's like a new start. 
So uh, I need to find some myself. So I'll do some reconnaissance and get that. You're going to have chicken uh, palm. Yeah, I got you covered. I got you covered, Bucci. I'll send you a text. I got you covered. <laughs> Sounds good. And, I probably, and the rest of me, I probably should do that. That's actually a good content idea for the for the Instagram and the TikTok and the Twitter is to go out the night before, find the farm, and then tweet out the menu, give a review. and, and Yeah. That's a whole, whole, well. Yeah, you have a whole other T-shirt coming. Yeah, then people can go to the notes on their phone <laughs> and keep track of each city. Here's where you go when you're in this NHL city and and yeah, it, it, it sounds like it, it could become a thing. Just make sure you go to Walmart beforehand, get the tank top, put it on, the white one, go in there, show the tats off, mean business, and see how it goes. Yeah, some of these places have a dress code. I may have to go to, you know, it, it might not work. So uh, we'll, we'll see well, how, how lenient they are with me with a tank top. All right. Well, you remember where you heard it first when you see this online next. You heard it right here in Sports 1440. Right. John. started on Edmonton Radio today. <laughs> That's exactly right. John, we really appreciate you joining us today. Have a great uh, rest of the year and a happy new year, and uh, have fun in that Gen Second game. Yeah, it's going to be a great end of the NHL season. I think the second half is going to be loaded with teams trying to make the playoffs. It's so wide open, you know, three, four straight years of a hard salary cap not growing. The league has mm-hmm. never been this even yeah. in my eyes. I think we got 12 teams that can win the Cup, so it's going to be a lot of fun. It will be. Thank you very much for joining us. Anytime. All right, that's John Bruchigros, NHL play-by-play voice for ESPN. We want to mention that uh, you're listening to Lowdown with Low Tide. Low Tide got a couple days off. Marty Stevens filling in here with Brad Slater on behind the buttons or on the buttons, and you're listening to Low Tide, as I said, powered by Wolf GMC, and we will be back. Marty Stevens filling in for Low Tide, little Bret Hart right there. We're doing wrestling theme songs this Friday. That's got to be one of the best ones. As soon as that guitar lick starts, you know what it is. Going to the text line here, let's talk about the text. We've got a couple things. It says, Piper was born in Saskatoon. Jericho was Winnipeg. I thought they were both Winnipeg. My mistake. And going back to uh, John Bucci-Gross's question about the restaurant, someone said maybe it was the Tasty Tomato. Someone else says it's Pazzo Pazzo. So we've got a dead heat right now between Tasty Tomato and Pazzo Pazzo. But we're going to go to our next guest. It's brought to you by Mitchner Allen Auctioneering. The next public timed automotive RV auction is on right now. You can view on site at bid on li- and bid online. Info is at maauctions.com. So our next guest, we played Bret Hart. He spent about 10 years on radio in uh, Calgary, tied it in that way. We're going to Mike Richards. But first, let's play a little clip of some of Mike's uh, comedic work. Inside the making of a trade Wonder if the Leafs will dump McCabe The money he wants is insane Inside the making of a trade Inside the heartache of a fool Be careful not to pick a tool To trade for Belak would be so cruel Oh yes, 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 Mike Richards, formerly... Sportsnet 960 in Calgary, then TSN 1050 in Toronto, Saga 960 out in Toronto. Uh, Mike, I worked with you for about three years. It was three of the best times of my life. How are you, my friend, and what's going on? Well, uh, well, it's, uh, it's great to uh, hear everybody in some 
some flashbacks. Uh, you know, sometimes I have to listen back to, you know, exactly what I was singing about or talking about. Uh, because in a lot of those songs, uh, guys are dead. And uh, <laughs> people get people are a little offensive about it. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I've been on shows where they go, do you think you'll be arrested? No, I, I, I don't think I'll be arrested, but there are certain places I probably have to take security. But, no, it's great hearing your voice again, Turtle. And uh, those those years in Calgary, and, and I think a lot of people who have followed what I've done, I mean, Calgary uh, has become and, and really is my hometown. I mean, I was obviously born and raised in Ontario and, and worked the majority of, of my life, except for those six and a half years in, in Calgary. But but the friends I made, the the connections I still have, and my love for not only the city of, of Calgary, but for all of Alberta, is uh, it will we'll never wait. And it's just, it actually, it's kind of weird to be in Ontario because a lot of times I feel like I I don't fit. You know, I just, it's, yeah. it's uh, they're, they're, little, they're tight asses and they, they, they assume they know things about the West, which they don't. Um, they make, you know, sort of comments about, you know, the, the industry and oil and gas. And the, the only thing they know about that is like going to, you know, uh, Petrocan and, and putting it in their car. Like they really don't understand what that takes and what it took to get in there. And they also don't understand just how hard that province uh, has worked and always will work, except when you have a, a goof like Trudeau in there. So, <laughs> you know, um, hopefully things will change. But no, the uh, Albertans are my brothers and always will be. Now, it's been a while since you've been on a Alberta Airwaves, I have to say. You've had some health issues, some health battles. Uh, do you want to get our listeners in Alberta here and Edmonton up to date on, on how you're feeling and what exactly you went through, Mike? Yeah, so, so back in 2015, when, when I was diagnosed with, with rectal cancer, um, that, that was, uh, you know, it, 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 it's hard when your mortality is, is questioned and, you know, could you have done things or could I have done things? Yeah, I, I should have been checked. Some of that is in my family. And I'd say to anybody, certainly over, I'd say the age of 40, they, they say a little later, later on, but if it's in your family, just get a colonoscopy and get it checked out. But it would have, it would have saved everything. It would have stopped the literally eight year battle that I had with it, but, um, they were able to get it in time, and uh, then it was a fight of, of plumbing. So you could get back to normal, what they call a reversal, and it didn't work simply because my my Irish insides that saved me also fought everything that they tried to do to get it normalized again. So uh, last, uh, so cancer's been gone for years. Okay. okay. So there is there is no cancer conversation, and if it does come back, I'd be 150. So uh, you know I, I'm good that way. It was all a plumbing issue, which also was. You know, uh, pretty thorough. So I had my last one in September that has set me for the rest of my life. So, yeah, I have a, I have a, per, a permanent colostomy is what I have. And people are like, well, what's that mean? <laughs> well, it simply means that I, I don't have number twos. It goes into a little kind of specific little pouch that it goes into. You, you kind of don't know it's there. And, and it's probably not what people think because I was horrified at the thought of me having this. But most of the time I don't know what's there. It doesn't really affect my life. Uh, I can still go to... Uh, you know, any wing place I want to have the suicide wings is not oh, gonna, yeah. it's not gonna hurt anything. And best of all, yep. no problem with booze. <laughs> no, let's keep that coming. You know, I just want more from the liquor store. Well, that's still good. So at the start of the interview here, you referred to me as Turtle. No one in Edmonton here is gonna know me by that name. So how did I get the nickname Turtle, and how how did all that start, Mike? Well, when we started the show, and um, you know, years ago, and there were. You know, you had Rick LaFitte and you had different people. Um, when we had talked about hiring somebody else and, and we had to go to the 
to the, the Calgary airport, which I really didn't see that as a, as a big deal. And in comes this guy uh, that looks like, and of course at the time, Entourage was a big show. Entourage was huge. Yep. And you come in with the baseball cap and the look, and I'm like, oh, my God, it's Turtle. <laughs> now, the voice wasn't the same because no. it was like helium or something. Like I don't, I'm like, that's the highest voice I've ever heard from somebody. Uh, and then, of course, the guy comes by, and he's like, would you like something to drink? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm not a loser, so I'll have a, you know, like a pint of Heineken or whatever. He goes, can I see your ID? I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm 100. Bring the booze. And they're like, no, that's the way we got to think. So I believe that you saved the day. What, what did you do? You you, you went to the uh, washroom, and uh, I left the table. I left Kelly Kirsch at the table there. I went up to the bar, and I ordered a Heineken. I, I came back down. Kelly's kind of figuring out what I'm doing. This kid's ordering a drink in his interview. He's only been here like five minutes. <laughs> and then, yeah, you came and sat back down. Because when you park at an airport, your vehicle is – it's like – it was in Calgary, basically, and the airport's outside. Like, you know what I mean? You're too far away yeah. to go get your license. Yeah, too so. far. No, no. And uh, basically the exact words were, hire this man. <laughs> That's exactly what I said. You, he bought me a drink, hire this man. <laughs> so, um, and from that time on, I mean, we got along so closely. I mean, we were really, um, you know, it's, it's, I only know how to work things like a family. I, I only know how to be, you know, close to people. And so... Um, you know, it's, it's like adopted family and, and, uh, you, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, there's no one that you would be afraid of booking. So there was, there was no guest that was too big and, you know, whether it was, you know, my God, I mean, the Rob Zombie stuff was incredible. Dana White to me was a highlight, but they, there was really no one that you wouldn't get and yeah. you would lie down in front of a, a train track, which is ironic considering <laughs> what you have done for a period of your life, except, well, that and saving cats was as weird. Yeah, there you go. Cool. There you go. Um, so, uh, but, the, you know, what you did for that show, and I think people have to understand that, like, when I got there, it was the station, well, how they put it? It's, it was the home of the Flames and Jim Rome. So yep. Flames were first, Jim Rome was second. Then you had Joe Sports there at the time, God rest his soul. Uh, and, and so he and Kevin Usselman did that afternoon show. And um, when I was still out of Toronto at the Team 1050, they would have me on Fridays. Okay. And that's kind of how this whole thing started with Kelly Kerr saying, well, once the, the team went down, like, what do you want to do now? And so, um, you know, I, I got out there, and, and as I said, there were dashes. Like, the station had not even zeros. I, I didn't realize there was a number lower than zeros, but apparently it's a dash <laughs> because a lot of the station had dashes. And so, you know, they kind of rolled their eyes, and they didn't really promote me that heavily. And, uh, heavily. and they, they really – this contract was super small. Like, it was not a very a big dollar figure. And so uh, I came in, and, and – um, you know, from that day to, you know, the, the I, I said to them in five years, we'll be number one. And it, it wasn't five years. It was six. But we had the biggest numbers in Canada. And, and that's what I sort of demanded of, of, of myself, uh, first of all. And then anyone who worked with me, I never had to say anything about working hard. No. Like there's there, the, the only, I said, the, 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 you know, we had Doug Kirkwood, you know, uh, was there for years. And, and you did have the Kevin Usselmans and, you know, you, you, you know, Dave Rowe was on at one point. Um, so, you know, we had different, uh, types of shows that had a different, but I think once you got on there, it changed quite a bit. And then, uh, you know, Andrew Walker came in and it just sort of, uh, I would say at the tail end, but he sort of, uh, you know, helped because he was obviously, uh, not only a straight man, he was a very straight man. Like, <laughs> like just, you could cut your, 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 your skin just by looking at him. I mean, you know, he, he, he was, but see, that was a good, you know, sort of balance to what I did. And next thing you know, we had, 
you know, exceptionally big numbers, and and we had like a, I don't know, a twelve share or whatever what the heck it was. So we beat we beat everyone, we, country music, and and my my good buddy, the legend Jerry Forbes, and and so when I phoned Forbes and he said, you know, I think I'm going to go back to Toronto, he said, good, I'll drive <laughs> you. <laughs> you listen to the lowdown with low tide powered by wolf gmc and buick stevens and slater filling in today uh mike i know you're out of the radio game right now a bit of a free agent but still keeping your eye on the sports world what were your top stories from 2023 well um i'll be honest you know canada is is so regional like it's 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 it, the states is different uh, you know you know if, if you had a story in new york city and they, they start talking about the Knicks, if you lived in in l.a or, or Austin, Texas, or, or Portland, you'd still listen to that story. It's still, uh, the way the Americans are wired, it's still important to them because it's NBA, so that's something. But as you know damn well, if, if, there's a, if there was some story about what was going on in Toronto, or uh, whether it's Austin Matthews or Marner or goaltending, if you're in Lethbridge or Red Deer, <laughs> or, or like, why are you talking about? Like, I, yeah. I don't care about your scuzzy loser, always failing team in Toronto. I don't care. Uh, and I understand that. So, you know, in, in looking at big stories, I have to kind of take a more almost kind of a global look at it. Right. And to me, I think the most incredible and weird story is the PGA and live golf. Yeah, that is that is a weird one. You're right. Yeah. Like, how do you reconcile? I mean, you know, you know, for the wrestling, you know, for, for, for the wrestling crowd, it's like <laughs> there's no way that WWE is going to be friends with the offshoot that comes when Hulk Hogan goes, when Bret Hart, like, you know, once a heel, always a heel, and you know, and, and, unless they do, you know, the double flip or whatever it is. But what did they expect with this? Because, look, John Rom jumping ship, like, you know, what, uh, a couple of weeks ago, whenever that was, I did not see that one coming. Now, um, for, uh, for, for transparency's sake, um, I do know the person, uh, he's actually from Alberta, who has the rights to live golf. And so, yeah, technically not on a radio station right now, but I will be uh, very shortly uh, probably visible to everyone across the country, but this time on television. Um, one of the connections I have is with Live Golf. Nice. So someone said, well, you like it now? You, you're pro-Saudi? <laughs> what are you, flying in the post office now, Richard? It's like, what is, what is what's your thing? And I'm like, well, look, you know that there's nothing better than a hot story where you have someone on that maybe everybody else hates. Uh, I don't know if it's hate necessarily, but I understand why people will have no time because of a Saudi-backed golf league. But mm-hmm. if I tell you Monday that I'm talking to John Rahm or I'm talking to Lefty, if I'm talking to Phil Mickelson, i got news for you. You're listening. That will be a big interview only because, you know, I have a slightly different way of doing interviews. I really don't write anything down, and I get in a conversation like I've had a, a couple of cocktails, and I meet Phil at, uh, uh, at, at a cocktail party. Like, I mean, I, I, I think that we want to know why and how this all works. Sometimes they'll give you the full answer, you know, the safe answer. But sometimes I can get to people and say, why don't you tell me? And I go from there. And you know what? I want to talk to Phil Mickelson. Don't I want to hear from Phil. I want to hear from John Rahm. I want to hear from, from, from even a, a Greg Norman. Because, again, you're, you're talking to the bad guys. You're talking to the guy who wears the black hat. You're talking to the heels. Yeah, well, you know? I think... So I, I think the analogy between the PGA and Live Golf is a perfect wrestling analogy because, yeah, who saw it coming? Who thought this partnership was real? How long will it last? 
Well, we don't know, yeah. but it, it's a good story. You know what? That one slipped through my uh, slipped through my fingers. I forgot about that one. That, but that is a, a very good one for sure. Mike, we really appreciate you joining us today, and uh, I'll look after Brad here for the next hour because uh, we have one hour left in our career working together. I'll survive. I'll be good. I'll be good. And that's it for me. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're done. I'm sorry. We're we're calling in the lefty. We're going to the pen. I I always knew that about Edmonton. So slippery. (laughs) You mentioned Calgary one meant too many times. I'm sorry you've hit your. I have my sweatpants on and I am wearing new shoes. (laughs) Well, guys, look, have a a great new year and and congratulations. Uh, I know maybe that's not the word, but I think it is. It's very difficult to make sports media work and sports broadcasting in a country where the major companies have strangled it to death. (laughs) So the fact that you were trying to do something and making way and getting on the air and and getting it done, you know what? My hats are off to you because that takes balls and uh, it's hard work. I certainly know that. And uh, boy, I was so happy to hear about this. So Keep it going, guys. Don't give up and, uh, and and just keep giving her. Well, if it can f- f- uh, survive Brad and I filling in, it should. Uh, we should be good until the new year. So appreciate it again, Mike, and uh, let us know when you land somewhere, and we'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Happy New Year. Thank you. You too. All right, listen to Lowdown with Low Tide, and uh, we will be back.